Nurturing Connections for Well-Being, an interview with psychology expert Andy Proctor. Join our conversation with Andy Proctor, a psychology enthusiast, exploring the science of happiness and well-being. Learn how human connections impact health, why friendships matter as we age, and practical ways to decrease loneliness. Discover the link between social connections, physical health, and positive psychology. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let me share with you a little bit about the guest we have today. Andy Proctor is a psychology PhD student studying how social connection impacts health and well-being and is a certified positive psychology practitioner. His podcast, More Happy Life, has been featured in the New York Times, ABC News, and Fox News. He is a regular contributor to Psychology Today and co-chair of the Utah Positive Psychology Association. He is on the TEDx BYU board and the research team for Eventbrite's Social Connection Project. His work on teen well-being has been featured in USA Today, Teen Vogue, and The Hill. I am so excited to welcome today to the stage Mr. Andy Proctor. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show today. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is exciting because psychology and the study of it is brings us so much to the essence of wanting to understand how we relate, how we're here, all of the things, the choices and decisions that we make and why we show up the way we do. So it's an exciting topic. I'm excited to learn from you, an expert in the field, and welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. So all of that. I, I gave a little bit of your background, but Andy, would you mind sharing with the audience a little bit more about you? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. It's so uh, fun to be having these conversations and talking a lot about um, these things that I, I, I do think are so important uh, for our health and our well-being. And so, you know, I love uh, this kind of a thing and I love connecting with people. Um, it's what I study uh, as well. And so, I, uh, you know, I, I live in Utah. Um, I'm going to uh, Brigham Young University doing my PhD program. Uh, almost done with it. 
uh, done a lot of interesting research projects looking at loneliness, looking at uh, social connection and um, you know events, uh, how they impact our health, like heart rate variability, um, and doing a current one that's going to be looking at inflammation levels uh, and social connection. And so uh, lots of really interesting and very nerdy stuff, uh, but really cool to understand how these things impact us because I think um, they they really do more than we, I think, think. Uh, that's another one of the pieces of research that I've, I've done recently is that people really do underestimate how much social connection and friendship uh, impacts our, our health. Uh, I think they think that it imp- impacts our emotions uh, and maybe even our spirituality, but but not necessarily our health. So uh, really cool. Um, and just a little bit about me personally, I have a 17 month old kid, um, cutest guy in the world, uh, and, um, super fun, a huge handful. Um, but is a joy. My wife and I, um, have been married for just over 10 years and, um, we have a crazy tradition where we, hold the picture of ourselves holding the picture of ourselves holding the picture of ourselves on our anniversary all the way back to like our day of our wedding (laughs) oh my gosh that's so cool that's pretty fun so my favorite one i think so far is we were holding uh the picture in front of a erupting volcano in iceland and um that was probably the most epic at least like i mean they, they all are very meaningful but you know it's it's kind of fun so Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Oh, that's very fun and brilliant. And, you know, when we talk about our relationships and our intimate relationship is, is it takes a lot to keep it strong and together and exciting. And you're inviting so much excitement there, something to look forward to and reflect on. And so I I love that you guys are doing that. I think it's always great to learn all the things that that very strong couples are doing. So it is shared with others to consider doing something similar. Yeah, it's super silly. And I saw it on Pinterest uh, before I was married. <laughs> and I was like, we got to do this. And she just, you know, she jumped on it with me. So I thought it was great that <laughs> she was yeah. like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and and it's it's kind of a hassle to do, you know, um, like you got to print it off. You got to like, you know, think about it beforehand a little bit, but it's mm. those rituals. I think those traditions, right. That keep yeah. you strong. Yeah. And 
you know, I think it's something that you can, you don't just have to do that with like your closest, you know, romantic relationship. Um, but you can do it with your friends too. I, I talk about this with, with people where, you know, they're like, well, how do I, you know, get closer to my, to the friends that I do have already? And I say, do you have a friend anniversary? You know, and it's mm. like, what friend anniversary? When did you, when did you meet? What day did you meet uh, this friend of yours? Because you should celebrate it, you know, go out every year, just like you would for an anniversary and uh, do something special. So it's, it's, it's kind of nerdy. It's kind of silly, but you remember it. And then that keeps you close. So I think it's important. Well, I'm sure that with so much of your research, it's, it's those little things that you do that you put energy into that really help continue the bond. Right. And within those connections and Andy, how you introduce yourself, there's so many things that I, I already want to jump into. I'm like, Oh my goodness. He's talking about studies on loneliness and studies on inflammation. And all of those things are fascinating to me. And, and I'm so excited to have you here to talk about, to discuss so let's start by one of my first questions would be, you did the study on loneliness and when did you do that study? Was it during the global pandemic and how was, you know, what really came up for you in that and what did you guys learn? Yeah. So uh, there's a couple of studies. One is under review right now that I've been a part of um, and uh, it was a part of this this social connection project with Eventbrite actually. And um, the, the preprint is out. So, you know, I can talk about this stuff already. Um, but it's, uh, we looked at how events, how attending events impacts your uh, perception of being connected to people. And it was really interesting because um, we, we wanted to know, you know, whether attending in person versus virtually attending uh, you know, with others that you know, versus going alone, attending events that require you to be engaged uh, versus those that you just go and are kind of passively there. Um, you know, a lot of other things too, but we, we found that the events that required you to really engage with people to like get awkward, you know, to like actually, Hey, what's your name? Kind of a thing. Um, or like, where are you from? You know, just actively engaging events uh, are ones that were predictive of more perception of, of being connected to other people and mm -hmm. less loneliness too. So that was really interesting. And um, the other study is still kind of, hasn't been published yet, but we are, we're still, uh, you know, kind of running it and, and, we're, but we found that there was a lot of, um, I guess, underestimation of the importance of social connection. So we asked people to look at, we, we put maybe nine or 10, um, you know, of these uh, things that people think, these factors, health factors that people already are aware of, things like smoking, obesity, um, you know, uh, air pollution, um, not taking your medications, uh, stuff like that, um, that, that people already are like, yeah, that's really important for your health. Um, and then we put social connection, um, or, you know, loneliness, social isolation, things like that in those mixes, in, in those, um, kind of rank 
um, options. And we had the, had people rank them. And we did this with a, a nationally representative um, sample in the United States. We also did this in, in the UK. And everybody, well, not everybody, most people um, severely uh, underestimate the importance of of social connection and and loneliness for how much it impacts our health. So, mm. um, yeah. So it's 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 fascinating to see that. And and the the thing that kind of blew my mind um, with this study was that even the people who <laughs> who are lonely, uh, even the people who you know mark themselves like as severely lonely, still thought that loneliness and social isolation were not important for their health. So, you know, I just, it's just interesting. Um, it's, it's just a perception that I think probably just needs to, it's going to probably take some time for it to change. Um, and, and education and campaigns, you know, like, um, my, my advisor was actually a part of, um, writing, she was the lead scientist on the, um, latest, well, not the latest now, but the one of the most recent uh, Surgeon General advisories um, for the United States, and you know, just just talking about this this stuff in an effort to try to get it out there more. You know, like when things that big go out there, there's a lot of media coverage around it. Which, so so we're hopeful. And this study happened before that came out, so hopefully, you know, things have changed since then. <laughs> You know, I just had this picture, Andy, in my head about a Surgeon General's warning uh, for loneliness. Yeah. Make sure that you're connecting. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're you're correct. It is perception and it is having the understanding and awareness that it even even is a thing. Right. Right. And I think that that's how we really are spreading that information by doing things that we're doing right now through the research and people want that backing through the scientific studies through, you know, they want to know because uh, with our belief systems, we, we don't really accept things that we can't see or unless we're hearing it from an authority figure or from some sort of study that's been conducted with many. And so I, I think that that's wonderful that you're doing that. And I, I agree with you where it, it, it is such a huge impact. And when you look at many studies that have been done um, outside of the one that you've done, studies of how loneliness can be the cause of death, that, you know, when, when an elderly couples, when one dies, it's not that long after that the other may go as well. And so those are all similar to what we experience with loneliness or not having the connection that we're, we need or that we want. And it also makes me think of the blue zone studies that were done and uh, centenarianism. Did I say that right? You would know better, Andy. Yeah, and, no. blue zone yeah. is amazing research. Right. It's amazing research. And there's a reason why that connection piece is included. Right. No, totally. It's so it, it's a huge part of it, right? And from both the meaning in life and the belonging standpoint of the Blue Zones research. And so, you know, when you feel like you're connected to a community and you're a part of something bigger than yourself, that you have a role, right? That you matter, that you are both um, providing value and feeling valued within a, a group of people. I think it's really important. 
uh, for our health. I think we sleep better. I think we, I mean, you know, just the intuitive sense inside of us says, yeah, of course we do. Um, and, um, and I, I think, I also think it's, it's important to, uh, you know, it, it is, these things are really important and it's not that we're saying that, you know, exercise or, you know, quitting smoking or whatever, like that those things are not important because they are <laughs> like, we let's do all of them, you know, like, um, but I think it's, it's good to remember that in terms of their effect on the outcome of, you know, being alive, right? Like, and, and risk, uh, less risk of mortality um, over time, it has, you know, um, a, a greater effect than, than most of the things other than in some situations, smoking. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, it's so important. And, um, it's funny because, you, uh, some people say, you know, well, so if I have really good friendships and I belong to a group, can I go out and smoke with my friends? <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, I mean, I mean, you can, but, um, you know, it's not advisable. It's still bad for your health. Um, though it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting though, because so, uh, over the summer I was able to visit my, my brother, um, who he just got married, uh, his beautiful wife, Megan. Aww. And congratulations. Uh, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It was, it was such a beautiful wedding and, um, and it was out in, um, uh, I, I think it was in Pennsylvania. Um, and I'm blanking out on the name right now, but I think, I, I think it's like, um, Rosetto, uh, and, um, really close by to this place where there was a study, um, that was done in like the 1960s or something like that. And they looked at all these people who lived in this, um, it was kind of a, a small community of like very tight knit, like Italian immigrants. And, and they all just like, were so so close. Everybody knew everybody. The doors were unlocked in everybody's houses. Like it was this very family centered, you know, tradition centered community. And they looked at the people's heart health, um, specifically the old, the aging men, um, which typically is, is, is worse in overall. And this one, um, I think it was an epidemiologist was just blown away because they, had such amazing heart health, um, their, uh, their heart attack rates and ischemic events like were much lower than, than like the national average even. And he was just like, why is, why is that? You know? So he went to this community and studied the people and found that even though they like, they fried their, you know, red meat in lard and like smoked, they, they did smoke like cigars and like all this, like really stuff that's, you know, horrible, uh, typically right for your health. And yet like still had better heart, um, health outcomes. And he said that the only thing that he could attribute it to was this kind of community connection effect, mm. um, which I think later was called, and I, 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 I'm gonna have to double check this. I think it was, they called it the Rosetto effect. Um, but um, it was named after the city. So I'll have yeah. to double check to make sure that was actually the name of the city. I think it is, but um, I keep wanting to say Palmetto, but I think that's like a butter brand. So I think it's Rosetto. <laughs> so. Well, interesting that they named it after the city, even though it's, the effect itself isn't 
because of the city. It's because of the connection, because yeah. of how they interacted and engaged with each other. And right. And but anyway, that's a side note in my own brain. But <laughs> I I think that that you're correct. It's it's those studies that are just absolutely fascinating, and it makes you question. Okay, well, we know that wellness. I, I often say is under this massive umbrella. So there's all of these different points that you you need to really achieve whole well-being, right? Overall well-being. You do you do need to take care of your body physically. You you need to you know upkeep mental capacity and really keep that intellect up and also have the community and also drink the water and also make sure yeah. you're sleeping at night, right? So there's all of these things that really attribute to, and yet there's certain things that really seem to make a much larger impact. And, and it seems so much of that is really involving, yes, the connection and the heart. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, uh, we really do, um, like I said, underestimate how much it impacts us. Um, but like you said, it's, it's a part of a lot of different things. So, you know, it's like when we say loneliness, it, you know, is, is deadly, right? Like yeah. the effect can be over time. Right. And, and, and I would say like amidst a lot of other things. Right. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely important. So. Yeah. Well, Andy, what really got you involved and interested in the the study, the psychological study of us and connection? Yeah. So great question. I was really diving into positive psychology for years and I just fell in love with it kind of just like as an avocation, you know, just like on the side. I was like, man, because you can't you can't study positive psychology like read about it without it having an impact on you personally, right? Like it, it, yeah. you just want to be happier and, and change your life, you know, for the better. And so as I was studying it, I really was diving deep. I started this, you know, this podcast myself, I started an Instagram account and it was just, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to, to learn about it, to share what I learned. And then as I was reading more and learning more, I was like, what's like, what's the most important one of these things, you know? And, um, I was looking at, I was basing it on the research of Martin Seligman and, um, his kind of theory, what he called the, the PERMA theory of well-being, which, um, is an acronym that stands for positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and achievement. And some people add, vitality or health onto that. So like PERMA V or PERMA H. Um, but I was looking at the PERMA model and I was like, if the, if I had to choose one of these, right, which one would be the most like all encompassing, most important for, for others. And also just like personally for me, which one really has the biggest impact. And from a research standpoint, like the number one impact on, um, you know, or number one factor, I guess you could say, um, that impacts both health, like longevity, as well as, um, you know, happiness over the long run is our, the quality of our close relationships. And so it was the R of PERMA, right? The relationships side of things, um, from, for happiness. And 
So I was like, okay, I'm hooked. I love this. I love positive psychology, but I want to, I want to dive deeper with relationships and I want to specifically, I I'm, I'm also really interested in, um, kind of the, the, the division of, of gender or like kind of the gender gap with regards to friendship and adult friendship. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's, it just always kind of got to me of like, okay, how are my friendships evolving as I get older, right? As I'm going from like college to job to, you know, marriage to parenthood, like all these shifts, right? All these transitions in life that I think a lot of people do go through. And I saw my friendships starting to either wane or, or just like fade away altogether. Yeah. And it was like, man, this is not good. <laughs> and um, it definitely so- makes you feel that way and think that way, right? Especially when you're doing all the research and all the studies, and you you know the importance of. And yeah, absolutely, it makes perfect sense that because I do it too. And you you reflect on your own life, and you're like, oh my gosh, uh, maybe I should concentrate on this a little bit more. And if I concentrate more on it, how do I go about creating more of it in life? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there was, there was a one day when I just, I was doing kind of this friendship audit for myself and I was like, Oh my gosh, like where are all my friends? And I, and I experienced what I think before I studied loneliness, I experienced loneliness, like a very Mm. deep loneliness inside of me. And I was like, man, this is, it really does. It, it hurts, you know? And, um, yeah, like it just, it really hits you hard. Um, and I think a lot of men have a hard time expressing that emotion and the emotional need. But the truth is that man or woman, like no matter what your gender or like, you know, where you stand, um, like in that sense, like everybody needs to feel connected to somebody and, and everybody feel like can, like everybody at some point feels that, that sense of loneliness. Um, and the crazy thing about it is, um, you know, even, even from like a masculinity standpoint, right? Like, um, if you're just to like, look at it from that standpoint of like, well, be a man, you know, like suck it up and you know, whatever, which I think is kind of more toxic masculinity. But I think, if you look at it, even just from that standpoint, like of feeling the pain, right? Like physical pain, it's like no pain, no gain. It's like, okay, the area of the brain that registers physical pain, like if you were to break your femur bone, right? Like that's probably one of the most painful things out there, maybe other than like childbirth, um, <clears throat> is like the, the part of your brain that registers that pain is the same part that lights up when you feel that like social pain, right? That like emotional social pain that comes from loneliness. And, um, and it's, it's even like hunger. There's this MIT study that did the same, uh, a similar study where they looked at like, they starved people literally, like they didn't give them food, uh, for, I think it was like 10 hours. Um, and, and then they also, um, had people, like isolate socially isolated for the same period of time and the same area of the brain also lit up and was like wow. hungry right hungry for connection 
Um, yeah. So it's it's a real thing. We all need connection. We all need to feel loved, um, whether like no matter your sex or gender. So yeah. Thank you for that. I I think that that study is really awesome because it it does show how much we you know, it, it affects us in so many ways that you wouldn't consider that it affects you in that way. And so thank you for sharing that study. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move into our first commercial. And when we get back, I'm so excited to dive a little bit deeper into now we hear about that and we understand that. Now what? So stay tuned. I want to let you know about my next group program, Health Kickstart and Detox. The best way to start diving into your health is to start looking at nutrition, the right way to eat for your body and understanding that as well as digestion because you are what you absorb and not just what you eat. So I teach how to ensure your digestive system is even turned on so that you can benefit from the food that you're putting into your body. So I combine all of this learning in a group program for support for you, along with setting you up for success. So click the show notes to learn more about the program. The link is there. I look forward to hearing from you. So welcome back, Andy. Like, I love all your studies and we, we're probably <laughs> going to keep asking you what's some more information because myself, I'm certain like many, many other people, again, like I described at the beginning, people want to know what is really backing what's what's true and when we learn all of these things on a scientific level it really solidifies uh the idea that of the truth right or what we believe to be truth and then it really motivates us to want to think differently now that we know that we can respond in a different way and consider other things of showing up or how to lead life to improve. And so I appreciate that you bring those studies up. So you really have dug deep into researching what, you know, uh, our connection is and what that means for us and how that relates to our overall well-being. So, and, and, and that it increases maybe with need and, and correct me if I'm wrong, as we age and the importance just intensifies, or maybe the quality of life certainly will improve. Um, so that said, what did you start finding out on how to really make some shifts into navigating that and being able to, to keep that in our lives? Yeah. So, you know, one practical thing I really like to share, um, that I think has actually helped me a little bit is, um, because when I realized, okay, I, I do, I do feel lonely and it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, first of all, I took stock of what I, like who I was connected with. And, um, because I think that's part of it. Like loneliness is a perceptional issue, right? Like we, right. it's not necessarily the objective isolation that we feel, which I think is, is an issue is a big issue in the United States and the UK. And I, I would say in a lot of places, um, but it was looking at who I was still in some way connected to and, and then realizing, okay, I, I still have those people. Like there's still that social capital that's like almost hidden, but I just haven't taken advantage of it. And so one thing that I did, and I suggest 
you know, anybody who wants to do this, um, I, I, it's been a huge benefit for me. If you're ever feeling lonely is, um, I created what I call a friendship wall <laughs> and I, um, I just, uh, took all these pictures that I had in my phone, right? Like, cause it, we all have our phones and, um, we, we, we have pictures of us and our friends. I mean, hopefully, you know, and, and if you don't like take more pictures of you and your friends, yeah. um, or people that you love, like, you know, family, friends, whoever. And, um, and what I did is instead of just having them live in my phone or on my Instagram page or whatever, where like you have to go through, you know, other distractions to get to that. I printed them off. I used an app. I don't even remember what it was called. I think it was like freeprints.com or something. And it was like, you could print them for free, right? Like, and, um, and you know, you just had to pay for shipping. I don't know how the, the business model works with that, but, um, but yeah, like I printed these pictures off of me and my friends and I, and I like bought pretty cheap frames, I think from Walmart even, <laughs> and like hung it on my wall. Um, it's on my other, the other side, I, I, I better not, uh, switch the camera around, but like, um, but yeah, it's, it's so nice. I, I get up and when I, even when I'm like doing yoga or exercising, I look up at these, um, pictures and I think like, yeah, yeah I'm not alone. You're like, I, I have these friends. And then it even makes me think, oh, I should reach out to one of them. You know, I should text so-and-so or I should, you know, oh, it's been too long since I've, you know, talked to Adam or whatever. And, and so then it made me want to reach out more. And so then I did reach out more. And then now it's like, okay, like, I, um, that led to more connection in person, which yeah. in person they've, they've, there has been a lot of research on, on this or more recently, um, to see like it, which, which is better for us, you know, the virtual or like texting or video chat, you know, all that stuff like, um, and in person is definitely the best. Um, but then, uh, you know, voice is still good. So like a phone call, you know, um, I always, you know, encourage people to, to just call people up just like we used to before we had texting, like, you know, don't text them and to say, Hey, can I call you? Just call them. Like, <laughs> you know, worst case scenario, you leave a voicemail or whatever, but, um, but I think it's, it's good to be old school in that sense. And, um, and yeah, now I have, um, on Friday, I go walk with a buddy, um, you know, rain or shine, like, unless something crazy comes up for us, like, we go and we walk for about an hour and it's great. You know, on Saturday mm. morning, I have another buddy who I walk with. So I think walking is a good thing um, with other people. I mean, it's good for your health already, um, but also connecting with somebody, being able to talk while you walk. Um, I think going back just really quickly to the gender differences, a lot of times, um, you know, women are really good at like just sitting there in person whether it's face-to-face -face or not, and just like chatting. Like most of the time they love that. Um, men overall, you know, both like uh, stereotypically as well as like in other um, senses, like have a harder time um, just from the social norm standpoint, like sitting there and talking face-to-face -face with somebody about intimate stuff, right? They have to be doing something. So like walking or like working on a project or whatever, like, you know, doing sports, whatever it is, like, you know, yeah. chatting while you're doing something um, can be helpful as well. Um, if you feel a little bit hesitant to just like talk to somebody. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I, I think it's so important to bring that up, Andy. And I know that you're passionate about that as well. The, the gender differences where yeah. it, yes, absolutely. Statistically men don't go to those vulnerable places. They don't talk about being lonely. They, it's just not how we have geared it, uh, in a societal aspect for generation after generation after generation after generation, we just haven't really gone there. And, and so I think that that is shifting, or at least I love to, to think so and hope so. And just so much because of things that you bring up and in navigating how we can start to change that. And like you said, men need to be doing something physical. And so I love just the walking and, you know, the, the thing you brought up about the photos, I think it makes perfect sense because, you know, like you said, it's a lot of it is a perception and how we're viewing it, it creates how we feel and how we think. Right. So being able to put something up to where, oh, I'm, I'm not actually alone. I have, I do have all these people in my life and really putting that at the forefront of our thought, because we also are, it's well known with research. Now what we concentrate on really starts becoming our reality. And so because you did that and you started putting people in your life that you, that you loved and knew loved you, it, it started to come to fruition in the physical sense as well. And now you have a weekly uh, commitment with a friend where you can engage with and talk with. And I think that there's so much, uh, health and well-being that is in that because we can let go. It's, it's, I don't want to say it as a, in a sense of having a therapist, it's not like that, but it is, there's an important piece where we need to discuss the things that are happening in our life and being able to do that with other people where we can have relation is, is key. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, there's, um, <laughs> there's a lot to be said about ritualizing it. Um, and, you know, one study from Jeff Hall at University of Kansas looked at how many hours does it take to become best friends, right? Like they tried to look at, okay, like quantifying the number of hours it takes to get to the point where you're like, yeah, we're best friends from, from like not even knowing somebody to like best friends. And he had other, you know, categorizations like, just like I think it's like acquaintance and like friend, maybe like good friend and then like best friend. And it was like 200 hours. Um, and you know, there's all kinds of confounds and other factors within studies and stuff like that. And so it'd be interesting to see if people could replicate it. But like I think the the point is that it takes time, right? And you know, um I haven't walked 200 times with these um these guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> yet and um we've spent we probably we haven't spent like the the one who's a newer friend uh we we definitely haven't spent 200 hours um together um but the more we do like the more time walking we have spent the closer i do feel to to him and and it's yeah. nice because i feel like i can you know tell him things that i maybe wouldn't have the first few walks <laughs> right right yeah and well you know, something that my, my brain related that to is relationships in general. So we're talking friends here, but if we talk about our, our intimate relationships, our partner, our spouse, or what have you, like a girlfriend, boyfriend, you just meet them for the first time. And there's, uh, 
you know, I'm sure, and you may know of some, but there's a lot of studies too on the success of a relationship. And if it happens too fast because you believe that you are in love with someone, right? And it's just really that uh, you're just so excited about it and this new relationship. But like you said, it takes time. And, and I think that walking is one of the best things and best ways to really be able to engage with others. Motion creates emotion, right? That's what my <laughs> husband always said. Yeah, I like it. I think motion allows us to process emotion too. And it's um, to continue with my trend of being nerdy. There's a, a whole area of research called um, uh, embodied cognition. And we're basically... We are, you know, able to process, well, both encode and process emotions and experiences, thoughts, memories, like cognitive things with our bodies. Like, you know, like when I think about something, I like think back and I'm like, okay, my eyes are squinting. My eyes are looking that way. Like there's a, there's an actual like muscular physical aspect of the encoding of the memory or like even the retrieval, right? Mm hmm so um, I'm not as familiar with embodied cognition, but I'm fascinated by it. And um, so, anyways, I think it's it's cool to to move while you're while you're connecting. I think it's it's important. Yeah, well, it sounds like it's a lot of going into the unconscious and conscious mind. You know where we retrieve all of that information. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's going between the two. So I think that is maybe why I I don't know. Like I'm not I'm not a neuroscience expert. Um, uh, I'm, I love neuroscience. I think it's really cool, but, um, I, same, same. I'm certainly not an expert, but it, it too fascinates me. Yeah. Uh, and, and as psychology does too, I wouldn't have a show without, you know, <laughs> all of those uh, exciting, um, things that I, I think are exciting anyway. So yes. And, and so, um, when we, when we talk about the, the social connection and how, those things really start to, to decrease in loneliness. Uh, what, what happens to us in turn when we start to have more of those social connections and engagements like other studies done? I, I know there are studies done on that, but, but what are some of the things that really come to the forefront with that? So, um, yeah. So just to kind of clarify, like, um, from, a like from a health standpoint or like emotional standpoint, is that what you're kind of asking? Yeah, about? all yeah. of it. What what happens to us on a physiological, biological aspect? Yeah. So I I mean the the there's a lot of really interesting areas that I I wish I could study all of them, but I also just want to finish my PhD. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and there's so many people who are trying to figure out like how is it that like social connection, loneliness, social isolation, like what are the mechanisms? Like how does it actually happen, right? In the body and the mind. And um, and so, you know, there's studies on everything from heart rate variability to um, inflammation that I, I had mentioned earlier um, to things like the gut microbiome bacteria and, you know, yeast like in your, in your gut to, um, you know, uh, even like your dental hygiene, like it's crazy. There's the amount wow. of like, it's, it's amazing how many studies have been done on this. And, um, and so, you know, 
I, I, one, one thing that I think is pretty concrete is, um, <clears throat> is this, uh, looking at how the brain and the body connect, um, very, you know, straightforward is the, um, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. So basically like your hypothalamus, um, sends messages to, um, your, your pituitary gland, which then creates this message that goes to your adrenal glands, um, right above your kidneys. Right. And then your those just can, you know, explode into action with, uh, with adrenaline, you know, cortisol. Um, and if you have too much of that in your, in your, you know, chronically across time, um, in your bloodstream and in your body, um, it's, it's really not good for you. And I think that's one of the mechanisms or one of the pathways, they call it the HPA access, mm. um, that I think is, is pretty well documented in terms of, you know, if you have, if you're experiencing stress, if you're experiencing a social stress specifically, um, any stress can do it, but like social stress is, is, is a big one. Um, like people say they, you know, I think it's like the, the thing that's either, greater or equal to the fear of death is like fear of um, public speaking, isn't it? Um, and mm, yes. <laughs> and so <laughs> like, and I think the reason why for that is that people are terrified of the social pain that could happen on a large scale. If Not they were being just, accepted. Yeah. Like by the community. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so that HPA axis like lights up and our sympathetic nervous system just shoots, you know, this cortisol into our, into our body on levels that are not healthy over time. It's good for you to like escape a really scary situation <laughs> yeah. um, or to like, if you're in a car accident, um, you know, that actually is, it can be life-saving. Um, yeah. right? right. But um, on a, on an acute situation, short term, but chronically over time, if you're every day lonely and longing for more and feeling isolated, feeling ostracized, even it's bad um, for your health. And so, <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds to me, Andy, like you're really walking into kind of the the study and, and thought surrounding inflammation that you were getting into. Yeah. So, um, so I'm not necessarily going to, well, I'm not going to be collecting the data, thank goodness, because it would take forever, but there's a really cool data set that I'm going to be tapping into in the next um, few months uh, that looks at thousands of adults across the United States. And they, they, they drew blood from these people um, to look at the levels of inflammation in their blood um, using um, one of the most popular markers that's called C-reactive protein. Um, that is a very clear indicator of inflammation. And so we're going to look at, um, you know, and, and there's been studies that have looked at this before too, but we wanted to look at it specifically with this data set because it's so big to see what is the connection between, you know, C-reactive protein or inflammation um, and how connected these people feel, how quality their friendships are, how the, the level of quality of their marital relationships, the level of quality of, of their, you know, of all their relationships. And, um, so I'm really interested to see uh, my hypothesis is that like people who have really good quality relationships are going to have lower inflammation. Um, we'll see if that actually turns out, but, um, I bet it will. Cause there's a lot of studies that do. 
Um, and a lot of them that, that look at it specifically with C-reactive protein as well. So I'm really excited to see um, if, if it does uh, show that. Um, yeah. yeah, so- it Certainly and, shows a direct relation to our, our health. I mean, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a study that is worthwhile, which is why I know you're so excited about it because <laughs> inflammation is is like that's what causes disease, right? That's that's what makes us so un, unhealthy physically, where we feel awful because we are experiencing the inflammation in our bodies, and so I think that that's so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. <laughs> It's it's exciting. I mean, it's not, but it's great because yeah. now that you right. know that yeah. that is that is really it's it's just another added thing to really be able to provide to to the community to really show the sense of the importance of this, the importance of our connections. And Annie, I appreciate so much that you being here during this time frame because you know you, you, I'm sure that you know very very well statistically. And uh, in our country, at least I know, during the holidays, the depression rises and then you have more issues, you know, going into January, it, there's higher numbers of arguments and of divorce. And it's just, you know, something that's pretty fascinating to me as well. But because of that, these topics are really important. So we learn how to navigate that we learn that it we're not alone that this is very normal and natural and there are things that we can do to improve that such as having a bunch of pictures of your friends and your family and yeah. that said too Andy do you have any other ideas for us any other tips or tricks that we can utilize during this time yeah you know one go-to strategy that you can use like no matter how many pictures you may or may not have of your friends and you on your phone, <laughs> um, because some people are like, I don't have any friends, you know, or I don't have any pictures of friends on my phone or whatever um, that I could print off. And, and maybe that's the case, but um, something that anybody can do and that there's, there's a lot of research on and that's really powerful. Um, it's very simple too. It's called loving kindness meditation. Hmm. And it's something maybe you've talked about it on the show before. I don't know. Um, it's, it's a, it's a great talk about meditation. Good. Yeah, <laughs> no, sure. the, the heart awesome. center. Uh, those are incredible mm. meditations. Yeah. So the loving kindness meditation is a, is a great one because you just picture somebody that you just, that you love and it, it could even be a pet. I mean, it can be anything you know, any person or individual that you just have so much love for in your heart and imagine that person. And then you just repeat the, the, basically they're like mantras in your mind. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. And as you do that, you just, and you imagine that person and you think about them, like, what does it look like for them to be happy? You know, like if there was like a movie of this person being happy in your mind, like play that movie. What does it look like for them to be safe? What does it look like for them to be healthy? What does it look like for them to live with ease? And like, just really go deep with that, right? And then um, 
And if you can really feel that, then you start to expand that and you think, okay, well, what about the people in my neighborhood, even like the people that live, whether it's in my apartment complex or my neighborhood or my, you know, wherever you live um, and start wishing those things for them to expand it out to those people. And then you try to expand it even further, right? And you go like the whole state you live in or city or, or, or country, right? And if you can, like the whole world, like may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live with ease. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really powerful practice. And then once you go to the whole world, like bring it back to you and imagine yourself and you wish those same things for yourself. Yeah. And amazing things happen, right? When you do that, um, 10 minutes a day, uh, I think it was like for eight weeks, there was a study that showed that it, it literally changed the the people's brains, um, and their, and their health. I mean, it's just, it's got incredible, um, outcomes and it's something that it really helps you to feel connected. Um, and it, and it's one of the things that can also, um, in some studies it showed that it can kind of buffer the effects of loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so much, uh, in servitude in that way. I think that, you know, oftentimes, um, for women a lot too, is you, you you show up in the world in servitude so often to where it is more difficult to receive. So I appreciate that aspect in, at the end. And I didn't know you were going to go there actually, because what's fascinating to me about doing this sort of meditation is when you when you you serve and you give and you consider other people and you put all of that love into another person or thing, then it actually in turn comes back and reflects and it's healing you too. And Dr. Joe Dispenza is a big one who's done many studies on that and showing that that's what it does. And so I think that there are so many great things about, about that meditation. Yeah, it's it's a powerful one. Anytime I actually engage in it, I, I get emotional. <laughs> yeah, it helps. Well, it it really changes my physiology. Yes, and, and that that's the coolest thing is you're you're healing others, you're healing yourself, you're literally changing who you are, your makeup, in in such a capacity. So it's it's so so powerful. I love that that you that you mentioned that. Yeah, no, try it. It's it's an easy, it's it's a simple one too, you know. And help people um, who are listening just give it a try if they haven't already. Yeah. Well, Andy, it has been awesome to have you as our guest on the Wellness Driven Life Show. You, yeah. especially sharing all the studies, I I feel like I'm gonna have to have you back as the the guru who knows all of the studies and you can share that with us because it's it's fascinating always, and so we can better understand all of the things that truly are happening to us as, as human beings. So we're able to improve and grow. And so I want to make sure that everyone knows how to find you. And so I I've put this up on the screen a couple of times. Those of you listening in, I will tell you what it is. Visit and find out more about Andy at www.morehappylife.co. And what a cool website name, www.morehappylife.co. Co. Also, there's more access points in the description below. Always find out more. Andy, again, it has been fabulous to have you here. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? Oh, man. You know, <clears throat> I think uh, 
This has been excellent. Thank you so much, April, for having me on. And um, yeah, I just, I hope that everybody knows that they, you know, if you feel, if you feel lonely, you're not alone <laughs> for one, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people do. And so if, yeah. if that's something that can help comfort you in that sense of self-compassion of, you know, that common humanity, there's, there's a lot of people who also feel lonely. And so, you know, you're not alone in that and, um, you know, do something awkward, um, that maybe feels awkward to connect more often. It's totally worth it. It is. Wonderful. Thank you again, Andy. And thank you to our audience here on the show. Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. So thank you so much. And want to say goodbye for now. And we will see you next time.